You're listening to the Vol Basketball Fever Podcast, your number one source for discussions about the Vols and Lady Vols basketball programs. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're also on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. Now, get ready for a new episode of Vol Basketball Fever. Hello, everyone, and welcome in to another episode of the Vol Basketball Fever Podcast. I am Nathaniel Rutherford here with Gene Henley for another episode of the show. Gene, it's our first postseason show of, of ever, actually, because this this rebranding didn't happen until after the Vols were eliminated from the uh, from March Madness last year. So this is actually our first ever postseason episode. So welcome in, guys. Hope you guys enjoy oh, the stay. Exciting, man. Yeah, this is this is exciting time. March is my favorite time of year, so I'm. Very pumped about this. If you're new here, thank you all for tuning in and making this your first episode. You can find our podcast everywhere you get podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, you name it, we're there. We're on YouTube as well. So if you're watching this on YouTube, thank you. And subscribe to the channel while you're here. Give this video a like. We'd appreciate it a ton. All right, Gene, we are done with the regular season. Tennessee tried to go out with a, <laughs> tried to give away the last game to Arkansas, but we're able to hold on and the win's a win. Take it however you get it. Even if you go up by 20 uh, early on in that game with a, an offensive explosion and it ends up being a, I want to say it was a, it never ended up being a tie game, but Arkansas made it uncomfortably close, like a, a one or two point game late in the second half. And Tennessee was able to just very, 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 very just tightly, very tightly just cling to that lead and was able to win that one. 78-74, you had that game. Tennessee comes out on fire from three in that game. It, they could not miss. They were just splashing threes all over the place. You had Vescovy hitting threes, Chandler hitting threes, Josiah hitting threes. That's the guy I think hit a three in that stretch. But in that game, uh, Vescovy started or finished the game three of four from three. Uh, Chandler was five of six. He was five of five at one point. Uh, I think he, I don't remember when he missed it, but he missed one, but he was five of five at one point from three. Josiah was two of three. And then uh, Ziegler was two of five from three. Those were the only guys that shot threes. But Tennessee in the first half, nine of 12 from three, uh, 14 of 28 overall from the floor. So 50% from the floor, 75% from three. And Tennessee went into halftime with a 50 piece on Arkansas, 50 to 29. And then the roles basically reversed. Arkansas outscored Tennessee 45-28 in the second half, and Tennessee ends up winning by four. But again, the the, collapse, the complete and total collapse was avoided. Jalen Williams didn't really get any charge calls, which is a big thing, a big deal that I, I talked about in the preview video I did, where uh, the foul differential was a, a massive difference for Arkansas on the road versus at home this year. And Tennessee was able to escape a potentially really just upsetting loss for Vol fans and finished the year undefeated at home. It was the second time in the Rick Barnes era, uh, Gene, that Tennessee has finished the year undefeated at home. It's a little harder than you might expect to finish undefeated at home, but especially this year for Tennessee, when you look at some of the teams they played at home, when you, you look at Arizona, you look at Arkansas, you look at uh, um, Kentucky, you played at home, LSU, you played at home, which back when they were you know not quite the mess they are now necessarily, but you played some really tough teams at home this year and were able to come out unscathed and no losses period. It wasn't all just against weak competition and, you know, non-conference cupcakes. It was against some pretty tough, tough teams there too. So kind of just a wrap up of that game. And I guess of the regular season in general, uh, Tennessee 23 and seven, 14 to four in SEC. They finished with the second seed in the SEC tournament. Of course, a lot of you already know this. And as we're recording this gene, it is on Thursday afternoon. So it's before South Carolina and Mississippi state tip off. So we don't know who Tennessee will be playing in the SEC 
tournament quarterfinals just yet on Friday, but it'll be one of those two teams. I, before we get into that, I, I will go ahead and say I, I feel pretty good about Tennessee beating either one of those teams. But Gene, I, I want to know your thoughts on the Arkansas game and just kind of Tennessee's regular season as a whole because we well, we, we predicted like what a, a 21-10, a, a or I guess yeah, 21-10, 22-9 type season. Obviously, the Memphis game got canceled, so that cut down the 31 games to 30 total. But we were fairly spot on what we thought. And in fact, Tennessee honestly was a little better than I thought they'd be because I think I think they would have beaten Memphis and that would have given them a, a 24 and 7 record. They actually, you know, kind of not only met my expectations, but kind of exceeded them for the regular season. When you look at it as a whole, especially the teams they played and who they and who they beat and where they played them and stuff, they're all seven of their losses were quad one losses and they didn't have a single bad loss to any teams. And they played a lot of really good teams. They have one of the top 15 uh, strength of schedules in the country. And it shows when you look at some of the bracketology stuff, when you have Villanova, Texas Tech, Auburn, uh, Kentucky, all up there in like the two seed area and then high three seed area. And those are teams that all Tennessee, all Tennessee played them this year. So again, it, I think Tennessee in the regular season, I think, you know, exceeded my expectations for them this year. And they, they've gotten better as the season went along, which we talked about at the beginning of the year, we thought would happen. It happened maybe in a little different way than I expected, but they got better. And I think they're playing a lot better basketball overall now than they were a month, a month and a half ago. And you want to be doing that. We talked about last time. You want to be doing that this time. You want to be peaking and playing your best basketball when you're in March. Before I get started, um, is Memphis back? <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't really know what what I don't know what we're supposed to do with Memphis. I, oh, I, hey, I, I didn't. I, I, I meant was, to say at the top of the show, congratulations to the uh, UTC mocks, the team you cover, because you had a wild ride there in the SoCon uh, tournament championship there with that that game winner. That was an incredible game. Amazing game. Um, yeah, it, but but yeah, like. The Memphis thing is weird. I, I don't know. Like, I think Tennessee would have trounced about 25 uh, if they had played the regular – played that day. Um, you know, we could all we could all speculate as to what would happen now. But, but yeah, like, um, so if you look back on this season, like, you're, you're talking about a Tennessee team that has kind of found its stride, uh, a team that's figured a bunch of stuff out as to how they want to play. Um, I, I think when people look back on this season five years from now, the decision to use John Fulkerson as a role player this season, I think, you know, is a big part, a big reason for their success because you could have kept forcing them out there, kept forcing them out there, playing them 35, 30 to 35 minutes every night. And look, man, I remember you and I sat here in November. Uh, yeah, in November. And, when we were finishing a podcast, we were talking, and I just said, you need – this team has to get production from Brandon Huntley Hatfield. It doesn't always have to look great, but you have to give that kid minutes because as a kid like that gets minutes, you start to figure things out. Same thing with Adu. Adu, I always want to say it wrong. Um, same thing with Adu. Like, when he's healthy, like, they needed to get him minutes. And we didn't talk about that because he was, you know, obviously not healthy early on. He has the big block performance. Like, yeah, it was against Kentucky, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. Has a, you know, ends up having some really good contributions to the end of the season. And, but, like, I think to get to get the production out of those guys, you had to have a guy who's so, you know, selfless, um, like in John Fulkerson, who was willing to say, look, I've, look, I've had an amazing career 
But for us to take this next step, I need to take a step back as to who I am, um, which has allowed some other players to maybe take steps forward. I mean, people are seeing a completely different Josiah Jordan James now. Uh, the point guard position is certainly a strength. And you kind of believe that early on, but there's no drop off from one to two. You know, Vescovi is still is supplanted himself as one of the best shooters in college basketball. Uh, you're in, and you're getting a lot of your production from those guys that I just named. Now, you know, going forward, I mean, like, what can you expect going forward? And we can talk about we can talk about the Arkansas game. Um, I think it's a game where you just basically say, look, man, <laughs> we struggled. We struggled in the second half. And, and, and look, the book is out on Tennessee. If you if you take away their three point shooting, uh, they're gonna. I mean, you can beat them. Uh, that's you know, understand. That you just kind of look at, you know, the second half of that game, they took away the threes. And when you took away the threes, I'm looking at a team that shot 40% from the field, only got to take six threes. And, and when you take away the three-point attempts, now you have to figure out ways to get offense. It took 12 threes in the first half of that game out of 28 shots. You know, because, again, it was not like they shot a bad percentage in the second half. They were three for six from three. Mm-hmm. But when you take away those threes in the second half, now you have to generate offense from your interior game or inside the three-point line. And they're not always great at that. But, like, the only thing I'll say is it, it stinks that they, you know, that Arkansas came back. That's a really good team you're playing, and you beat them. Um, you didn't expect to be up 21 points at the half. So, okay, like, you know, like the game that it turned in, turned out to be was the game you were expecting all along, a back-and-forth affair where both teams would have opportunities um, you know, the fact, you know, defensively, you won that game because you held them without a, you know, they didn't hit a shot in the last three minutes of the game. Yep. So that, you know, maybe if they hit a couple shots, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. But like the way that I can wrap this thing up was I think ultimately they had a, a little bit better of a season than I think either one of us thought that they would have. Um, and there's a lot of reason for optimism going forward. Now, can they pull three wins in three days and, uh, in Tampa, uh, it's still Boston, Boston. Can they pull three wins in three days in Tampa? That's going to be the tough thing because they're going to play a, a, an easy, winnable game, a, a, a winnable game against you know Mississippi State or South Carolina. Then you get Kentucky, and this is the rubber match. That's usually how these games go, where you know Kentucky blows them out, and not in, in Lexington, Tennessee comes back. You know, is 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 pissed off, so they you know they beat them down in Knoxville. And then you get the the great, excuse me, the, the great rubber game in usually Nashville, but this year it's in Tampa. And then we'll see what happens in the final. But you put yourself in a position um, to win this thing. You give yourself a great draw against winnable foes in that quarterfinal game, and we'll see what happens Saturday and Sunday. We we talked about off air. I don't remember if we mentioned it on the podcast a couple weeks ago or not, but about kind of the similarities between this year and that 2018-19 season from the, the way the SEC shook out. And I said it on Twitter too. I was like, man, if Tennessee ends up playing Mississippi State again in the in their first game and then plays Kentucky again in the semis, like it, it's gonna it just feels and with Auburn being the you know the top seed again, it just feels a lot like that that 18-19 season with how it played out with you know and this time though the fourth seed or the the fourth team between Auburn, Tennessee and Kentucky isn't LSU, it's Arkansas. But just this, it, there's so much that feels similar to that eighteen nineteen year because that same year, you know, as you just mentioned, Tennessee got blown out in Lexington, and then Tennessee blew out Kentucky and Knoxville. So, 
it just feels similar. I don't know that we'll get the, the same result where Tennessee wins the rubber match in, in the tournament or that it'll be as uh, epic of a game as that one was in 2019. But if it is, like if it's, a, if it's another close nail-biter you know, type of game where it takes a last-second shot to win, that'll be fun, unless it's Tennessee that loses, and that won't be fun for me, but it'll be fun for a lot of people. <laughs> it'll be a fun, entertaining game throughout, I'm, I'm willing to bet. Because I, I agree with, like, I don't, I don't know how it won't be Tennessee, Kentucky, to be honest. Like, I, I don't, I don't see Tennessee losing to South Carolina or Mississippi State, whoever they play, because you look at what they did against them in the regular season. Okay, this is unusual sight. Look what Tennessee did on the road against both those teams. They beat Mississippi State by nine, 72 63, and they absolutely just smacked the tar out of South Carolina, 81 57 on the road in Columbia. And that was a game, that was the game where Olivia Camwell went down with injury and, you know, has missed the rest of the year since then. And Tennessee didn't miss a beat and just, pummeled the Gamecocks in that game so they're able to do that in actual road environments especially in Starkville when it was um at the hump there and Humphrey Coliseum I fully expect Tennessee to handle their business against either one of those two teams you're right though like the, the next thing is going to be what they can do against Kentucky can Tennessee go and win three straight games in the SEC tournament uh they have not done that in my lifetime well I mean they haven't done it to win a title in my lifetime Gene that they may have won three times in a row like playing on the first weekend or something like that, or second weekend or whatever, and have made it to the championship game, but they've not won three straight games on a double bye to go win the national, not national, the SEC championship. Uh, they actually, they haven't done that. You know, they haven't won the SEC tournament since 1979, Gene. I, <laughs> I wonder how many of our, our listeners were, you know, not just alive, but like actually like watching and, you know, big fans of Tennessee basketball back then, because I imagine it's not too many of them. I, I imagine most of our listeners are probably, you know, probably around both of our ages, like in the in their 30s, 40s, somewhere around there. Like, I don't imagine we have too many people, you know, my parents' age or older, watch you know, watching or listening. But if you are, like, if you have, so welcome, yeah. If, if they're, if it, yeah, welcome in. I'd, I'd be like I said, I'd be curious to hear if you were alive and you know, not just like a little kid or whatever. Like, maybe we're a little kid. But I'd be interested to hear anybody who was listening to this, watching this, who got to witness the last time Tennessee won the SEC tournament because college basketball was just a, also just a very different sport back in 1979 from everything I've ever seen that talked about, like, you know, just the way the, the NCAA tournament was even viewed back then was viewed differently than it is now. So, um, but anyway, all, all that to, to bring to me to my point here is that even if they don't win the SEC tournament, I mean, that's, you know, it is what it is. Tennessee hasn't done that in 40 years, so I'm not expecting them to do it. You can't lose badly to Kentucky, Tennessee. I, when I had Eric Hasm on, if you all haven't listened to the last episode yet, go check it out. He talked about Tennessee Gene basically no matter what, unless they lose to, you know, a South Carolina or Mississippi State, then there's a chance they could fall. But even with that, he said there's a very good chance Tennessee is just locked in to the three seed for the NCAA tournament. And I can understand that. I think it's fine. And I think that makes sense. And I think that Tennessee, as he said it too, just they kind of just feel like a three seed to me. Like it makes sense. I'm looking at some of the potential 14 seeds. If I'm looking here at bracket matrix at, at some of the teams that are ranked kind of in that 13 to 14 range. Cause I don't think, you know, 15 is kind of a different animal altogether, but looking at some of these teams, you have a, a, uh, well, actually UTC is listed as a 13 of this one, Gene, but it's like a high 13, like almost a 12. So I don't know that I count yeah. them, but like a Toledo, New Mexico state, Princeton, Montana state, Longwood, Colgate. Those are, those are the teams that don't think it'd be Colgate because Tennessee and Colgate just played a couple years ago. Uh, that when Tennessee last made the sweet 16. So I think you can probably take Colgate out of there probably, but those are those are teams in the the MAC, the WAC, an Ivy League school, a Big Sky school, and a Big South school. So I mean, you know, I'd, I'd feel pretty okay 
for Tennessee's chances in those games against those opponents, and that's you know going to be one of their opponents. And I would be interested to see what the next matchup would be for Tennessee in that that bracket because again, we're, we're finally we're getting to the point where we have some auto bids now, where where teams are, you know, UTC for example won the the Southern, so they are they're automatically in there. We have a lot of these smaller conferences who have had their championship games, and we have all those locked in. Now we're getting to the big conference games where we're seeing some interesting upsets, and I'll, I'll talk about a couple of those in the SEC now, I guess, here in a second. But you're seeing some interesting upsets where you know, uh, like Boston College, for example, beat unfortunately beat Steve Forbes and Lake Forest. Uh, then they went out and you had, I think Pitt also, they, they almost ended up being Boston college today before we start recording, just like they took Miami to overtime and Miami had to win on a last second shot in overtime to beat Boston college. And Boston college was a really bad team this year. So um, I guess my, my point Gene is, I think this team has shown that they can win in a variety of ways. And I think that's kind of what you have to do in March. Cause you're going to get matched up with somebody at some point who matches up really well against you, like they, their, their strengths play into your weaknesses, unfortunately. And you're going to have to figure out, okay, can we, how can we beat them? And Tennessee has shown that they've won some really ugly defensive games. They've won some games where they've had to put up 80 points or so. And, and you know, I mean, the Arkansas game was, it was weird because it was like a offensive showcase in the first half. And then it became, okay, we need to, and our defense was, you know, playing their defense was playing really well. And in, in the first half, and then you're like, okay, can our, offense do anything in the second half here with the way Arkansas's defense is playing and can our defense get enough stops and as you said they didn't let him score a field goal in the last three minutes of the game that was huge and that was when defense you know really stood up for Tennessee I think they've shown that they can win in a variety of ways and I think again the guard play has really improved as the season's gone on and I think you you can trust Chandler Ziegler and Vescovy especially uh, to do just about anything you ask of them. And then also Josiah Jordan-James has been a, a godsend for Tennessee in SEC play. And by the way, more, more on those three guys that I mentioned uh, besides Josiah in a second on some accolades for them. But I I like this team. I I saw a, a I think we talked about it a couple weeks ago. I saw a prediction thing that was talking about like predictive uh, SEC or predictive wins for teams in, in the NCAA tournament. And it gave Tennessee like, you know, two predicted wins. Getting to the Sweet 16, I'd take it, honestly. I, I, right now, I would take it. I, I think it'd be brutal to get that far, and then maybe it's a really close game and you you just miss out on Elite Eight run. But, man, I, I would absolutely take a Sweet 16 for this team. With, with the way, you know, having an injury, with how young this team is overall, um, I would take that. It's really going to depend on how the bracket plays out for Tennessee. I've seen a lot of people uh, kind of, I guess, mocking Tennessee to the, the same region as uh, Duke. I don't want that, Gene. I think the 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 idea of maybe being able to try to knock out Duke would be kind of interesting for me because I, I I would love that. But I also feel like uh, Tennessee matches up with Duke. I don't know that Tennessee is going to get too many of the calls go their way because it seems like the Coach K retirement party is going to maybe buy him some favors. I don't know. But anyway, I think that it's really going to depend on where Tennessee gets matched up in the bracket. Who you know who's who's number one seed? Are they matched up? Who's who's the two seed in that bracket? Because I have faith in this team to make a run. I don't know how deep of a run, but I, I think you know the top four teams in the SEC, Auburn, Kentucky, Tennessee, and Arkansas, are all capable of getting you know to their respective lead eights in whatever bracket they're in. Right. So at the end of the day, I think this what'll what this will boil down to with Tennessee is do they have can they manufacture offense that's not looking for wide open threes? Mm. Um, 
you know, I was looking, they didn't, I didn't realize when we're talking about, you know, Tennessee's defense, um, Tennessee didn't hit a shot in the last six minutes of the game. Um, wow. Uh, on Saturday. And, mm-hmm. and so that allows teams, you know, when you can't hit those threes, like, and obviously you built up so much excitement because you're 12, 16 or whatever you are at that point in the game, you're hitting threes. So you don't necessarily look for other shots. Be, this has been an issue for Tennessee all season. When the threes are hitting, all of a sudden the threes aren't hitting. Can you manufacture ways to score points? And that's what it's going to boil down to because if they're hitting consistently, if A, they're hitting consistently, or B, they are finding ways to generate offense otherwise, I mean, this team is kind of poor good. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just reality. But if they can't figure out how to manufacture buckets when they're not hitting threes and they don't get complacent hitting that and they – so they look for a Huntley Hatfield or they look for a Fulkerson or whoever the big is at the moment, Euros, whoever, you know, who obviously has been a godsend for this program this season specifically. If, if those guys can get you some buckets, then you can, then you can still bottle for good. I'm not, I'm not here to debate. I'm just telling you what I see. So they're that good if, you know, if those elements are there. But like I said, if they struggle – if they have one of these games, and look, we've seen – I was at that Tennessee Colgate game uh, two, what was it, three years ago. Mm-hmm. If they're struggling to, you know, generate offense, and you get one of these lower seeds that all of a sudden maybe starts hitting some shots and has one of those, like, just elite guards or elite whatever, and they can, you know, and that guy can build some momentum, hitting some shots, now all of a sudden you've got a game. Now all of a sudden it's – it's a lot closer than you would want a three fourteen or a, again or, or for perhaps a two fifteen game to be. Um, but, but yeah, like it like that should be that should have no deterrent on just how good this season's been. But you know, I'm a person who just tries to look for you know what could hurt this team in the end. Do with every team, any team I watch, any team I cover. You know, what could hurt this team at the end of the day? And to me. The biggest issue is can they find ways to hit buckets, get buckets that aren't threes, um, because those can be taken away. I mean, typically, great a great shooting team is what thirty eight percent from three. A great shooting team. I, I imagine, obviously, there's probably, there's probably there may be some team. You know, a great three point shooter hits forty percent or above, which means a great team typically hits probably like 38 percent. On average, I don't know what the number one team in the country, what they shoot. Maybe it's some ridiculous number, but it feels to me like they're probably in the 37, 38 range. I'm looking uh, it up because I'm curious too. Yeah, I think yeah, I think Furman, Furman led the country in threes made and threes attempted. I don't know what their percentage was. You're uh, right. There is some ungodly one. Uh, South Dakota State, who went 30 and four this year, uh, made 45% of their threes as a team. So, golly. But to, to your point, like the, the top, like basically on the top 15, Furman uh, was number 16 in the country and 38%. So that's, that's, you know, you're right. Like an elite three point shooting team, top 16 in the country is Furman who made 38% of their threes. Right. And, and so what teams would do to a team like Tennessee is I don't know what Tennessee shoots. I mean, you, you've got the numbers there, uh, maybe 35, 36%, whatever yeah, it is. On the year about year. between 35, 36%. You're right. Right. So what teams are going to do is they're going to say, they're going to take away Tennessee's attempts. It's okay if you hit, their, hit your percentage. How, uh, how many threes have they made this year? Total or per game? Uh, per game. Uh, per game total this year. Per game this year, Tennessee uh, averaged just under nine, so eight, 8.8 threes per game. 
made. So they okay. So you typically so basically you're getting 27 points from three. So what teams are going to do is how can we keep you from getting to 27 points to solve those threes? So you know they'll take the they'll take the number of attempts away. So if you only hit five or six threes in a game, can you manufacture what you can to get to 65 points of offense? That's what a lot of teams did. That's why a couple of those games were kind of rock fights at one point. Some games that people felt like, let me see Ole Miss or a game like that. Why is this game so tight? Why is it so close? We should be blowing this team out. They stink, blah, 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 blah. It's because teams like that that are really strong defensively are taking away the team that you do best, which is, you know, finding and looking for those open threes. Because if you give Vescovy a three anywhere on the court, I'm running down court because I know it's, I feel like it's going in. Mm-hmm. Um, so that like so good teams are going to do that. They're going to prevent you from getting those attempts. They're going to prevent you from getting those shots. And so that's why I'm just adamant that yeah, like they're going to have to figure out ways to generate offense because like I say, good teams, but maybe not the three fourteen game or whatever. The, because we're both kind of assuming they're going to be a three. Yeah. Maybe they win the tournament, they sneak up to a two at the end of the day, but I kind of lean probably, let's just say three. That three fourteen team, they're not going to be athletic enough, quick enough to be able to stop everything that Tennessee does. So Ziegler or Chandler, Vescovy, Josiah, one of those guys will, will have the opportunity to kind of go off that game. But after that, you're playing tougher competition. You're playing tighter teams. You're playing teams that are probably power five-level schools. They have the ability to take some of those things away. So can you get the amount of offense that you need to win those games? Because if you do, I'll reiterate, Final Four good. If you don't, round up 32 bad. And also kind of to your point, talking about the, the threes and how much the chunk of the offense has been for Tennessee, looking at Ken Palm, uh, Tennessee, the, the point distribution, the percentage of their total points – 35.7% of their total points this year came from threes, which was 69th in the country. So they, they were one of the top 70 schools when it came to the percentage of their points coming from threes. They were 290th in two-pointers. Only 46.8% of Tennessee's points this year came from made two-point field goals. The the league or the uh, country average is 50.8. So Tennessee had less than half, and the, the average basically is, is half of, of their your points coming from from twos. So really that's a very good point now I was looking up stats while you were talking about it and kind of looking at the numbers for Tennessee and their three-point attempts this year they only had uh what like six games this year where they attempted less than 20 three-pointers they were five and one of those five and one in those six games but you look at some of those games it was a, a 72-63 win against Mississippi State the 52-51 lost Texas 80-61 win against Missouri, a 78-74 win over Arkansas, 76-63 Kentucky, and then the 67-62 Auburn. So it wasn't like the only one that was a real, I guess, offensive showing was the first half against Arkansas. And then uh, you can throw in the game against Missouri, I guess. And then for the, the opponent, for the, the caliber of opponent Kentucky was, but the other, you know, the, the other games were not the most aesthetically pleasing offensive games for Tennessee. So you make a good point. And again, Tennessee showed they, they can win those games and they, cause they were five and one in those games, but I think you're right. I think, you know, taking away the threes and it wasn't just, those were three point attempts. You still look at who, what the number of threes Tennessee made in those games, you know, Auburn, there were six of 16. So it wasn't great. Uh, Texas was five of 18. So again, awful, but the other games, they made eight or more threes in the rest of those games where they, they attempted 20 or less than 20 three pointers. So um, no, I think you're right though. Like trying to limit that, it's huge because Tennessee has gotten so large of a portion of their points this year from behind the the perimeter. So I think that's a 
That's a very good point. Uh, kind of looking at the SEC tournament here, we, as we're talking, another game just went final. Uh, it's been pretty chalk so far, but then there was there was an interesting result, even though it was chalk, I guess, technically, uh, on, I guess, earlier today on, on Thursday. But you had no surprise, Vandy crushing Georgia. Georgia didn't look, look like they want to be there. Um, Tom Green's gonna, no longer going to be the head coach, which is not a shocker. Uh, Missouri beating Ole Miss, which I, that one didn't surprise me, but it wasn't, I don't know. It, I guess I, I thought Ole Miss would win that one, but they didn't. So whatever. 72-60. Today, you had two bubble teams and Texas A&M and Florida play each other and Florida could not get their, their stuff together and ended up losing that one 83, 80. I don't think Florida makes the NCAA tournament because of that. And I think Mike white is in trouble because of that. Uh, but Texas A&M moves on. Buzz Williams is maybe playing himself, you know, playing his team maybe into the NCAA tournament. We'll see. I don't see think that? they make it. What was that? Did you see that game? I did not. I, I was, I was okay. working during it. So, so I had, a, I had a, a, a chance to, to see it. And I saw one highlight where a Texas A&M, Texas A&M kid dunked on a Florida kid. I think oh, it was I like saw a that, yeah. game. So I, I kind of tuned away. Um, and then A&M fell apart. Yep. And the game goes to overtime. And I'm watching um, – like it was like a – the kid for uh, A&M hits a shot. Like it, it goes in the net at 1.0 um, – at 1.0 seconds on the clock. It doesn't go through the net till there's like 0.4 seconds. It rattled in, and so wow. the rule is: what I mean, the clock will stop when the ball goes through the net. So it actually cost Florida that the ball didn't just go straight in. It actually rattled in, and so they obviously Florida had to go full into the court in four tenths of a second. They couldn't; wow. they lose. So wow. it was just one of those, just kind of one of those, just kind of crazy games. But it, it was weird. But then, like, I think some Florida guys started. I think four, like three Florida guys fouled out. Um, yeah, it was it was a, it was a great game. And I mean, uh, I don't know if it's a great game, but it was certainly an interesting <laughs> game. It was way better than that that Georgia debacle I you know watched a few minutes of last night. But it, it, it's like what? What? Let me ask you this, man. Like, yeah. we could easily get LSU. Uh, we could easily get LSU in this final four again. But, you know, if, if LSU's got – if LSU has Pinson, he can beat Arkansas. And, I mean, like, I think some of the issues with uh, LSU were when Pinson was out. Yeah. That's kind of where they, you know, where they kind of – like, the, you, know, you know, the things kind of fell apart right then. Like, so, for you, I mean, obviously, you're expecting – you're expecting Kentucky. But – I, I guess – do we know how good this LSU team is? No. <laughs> they've, they've been – I think it's almost a, almost a tie between them and Alabama for me, but who's been kind of the most disappointing SEC team. I, I would put Alabama up there just because, I mean, what they did last year. Uh, and it kind of, I mean, they, they did lose, you know, some key guys, but it seems like some of the guys that came back for them this year, like played worse than they did last year. So I, I bet you look at LSU even, you could make an argument because they have the best – you know, they had the sixth man of the year and one of the best scorers in the SEC in Tari Eason. But you also mentioned like the fact that, you know, they haven't had a healthy Xavier Pinson a lot of times. They've, they've dealt with injuries. So that's why I'm cutting them a little more slack. But I don't think we know who the real LSU is. And now with them, you know, they have Pinson. He played 32 minutes against um, 
against Missouri. And that game finished with a 76-68 win. It wasn't that close. It, was an, it ended up being an eight-point game. It, LSU was running away with it late, and Missouri scored some garbage time points. But it, it was all LSU uh, for a lot of that game. But yeah, you, Easton finished with his 19 points. He, he typically gets you know 15-plus in a game. 19 points, five boards. Uh, he was only one of four from three, but four or five from the free throw line. Days had 16 and seven. Again, uh, you had Pinson had 11 and five assists. So they didn't shoot great from three, but they shot really well from the free throw line and they were good, you know, inside the three-point arc as well. They were five of 19 from three, but they still finished the game at shooting 56% as a team. So that tells you right there that they were really, really good uh, inside the perimeter that where they weren't having to shoot threes. They were actually, you know, doing really good in the paint uh, in that game. I didn't, I didn't get to watch a minute of this game, but the stats right there is tell you all you need to know that they weren't hitting threes, but they still shot 56% and put up 76 points only making five threes. So uh, they did a good job where, you know, down and down low, they, they could beat Arkansas. And I think that also brings you to the point too, Gene, that this sec tournament's going to be interesting. We talked about it last week too, about, I don't know what the crowds are going to be like. I, I think there'll obviously be more crowds when you get to Friday, Saturday and Sunday, cause it's weekend. And also that's when the, you know, the, premier top four teams are playing there's not going to be a home court advantage there's not going to be you know it, it, this is the the great equalizer as I've, I've you know been calling it here for the past i guess a couple of weeks now of playing in this sec tournament and the ncaa tournament is you're not going to have a home court advantage you're not going to have a you know all the nerves maybe of, of of being on the road and having to play in a really just loud environment all these teams are technically playing on the road they're they're all neutral site games it's a, it's an equalizer in fact a lot of times if you're playing in a tournament setting and you're the you're the favorite and you're playing the underdog and the underdog has it close, all the other neutral fans are going to start turning against you and root for the underdog. And in that case, it might turn into kind of a, a road-ish environment for you in these type of circumstances. So it can go from being a, a neutral site, kind of not really a big deal to all of a sudden, oh, we, we're in trouble. And now the, the other fans of other teams are rooting against us because they want to see the upset. Um, I don't think i know who lsu is i think i know who arkansas is and i trust that jd note is a really good player but i don't know that they're going to get again the type of foul calls they get in uh what you call it where their their home arena is i just forgot but they're going to get the home the the bud walton they're gonna get the same calls they get in bud walton you saw it in knoxville like they didn't they didn't Gay williams wasn't getting the charge calls he normally gets and they don't get as many fouls on the opposing team normally that game against tennessee there were fouls being called every second it felt like that game had I think almost 50 fouls in, in 40 minutes. That was ridiculous. That that officiating crew was awful. But anyway, awful for both sides. I'm not just saying, you know, Tennessee won, so I'm not complaining that they cost them the game because both teams have rights to complain about what happened in that game. But I don't know, you know, that, that's also a thing that could happen. What what kind of officiating are we going to get in the SEC tournament? Because it hasn't been great in the SEC in the regular season this year either. But, yeah, they called like 50 fouls in the uh, Florida A&M game. I'm not exactly sure what. And it was some of them were some of those calls where you're like, are you really going to call that? I mean, are you really going to make that call? Like a lot of a lot charged stuff. I mean, just questionable verticality doesn't mean anything. Like it's it's going to be interesting because I mean, like to your point, I mean, officiating is going to be a, a massive part. Tennessee's a pretty, you know, Tennessee plays physical. That was one of the game, things that was brought up. Uh, God, what game was that? Uh, it was, I can't remember what game it was. It was early in the season. I've got a friend that kind of 
talked about the officiating in a game where they weren't calling a lot on Tennessee and they were calling a lot on the other side. And there was pressure. I don't remember what game it was. I don't remember what game it was. But you and I did a podcast not long afterwards, and I was texting him and you know telling him, I can't believe you did this to me. But um, I'm going to make a prediction. It won't be it won't be chalk in the semifinals. It won't be chalk because you've got a Bama team that would have to face. I mean, you, you get a Bama team who's a six seed who gets to face. Uh, who would that be? Kentucky. Would that be. Or no, yeah, no, yeah, no, no, no. Sorry, it would not be Kentucky. I had the bracket pulled in front of me. It's. Uh, Sure uh, I think you're right. I think it's Kentucky. I mean, let me let me pull it up. I'll get. It. I'll get. Yeah, because Tennessee you. plays the winner. Tennessee plays the winner of the seven ten game, or, or the yeah that seven ten bracket. Um, yeah, Kentucky it'd be, it'd be Kentucky. the winner of the six yeah. eleven. Yeah, I mean, you know, so that's that would be an interesting matchup if if Bama's hitting threes. I, I would not think they have a chance there. Um, you know. LSU, LSU, Arkansas. I mean, what what's the officiating going to be like? You know, <laughs> LSU is very, very, you know, physical. And look, I mean, we can laugh all we want to about what I'm about to say, but I kind of feel like Will Wade is coaching for his job. Um, yeah, I do. I, I yeah. do. When when things get, uh, and maybe not coaching for his job is right, but I, I just don't know if he's going to be back next year. Yeah. And like you start hearing some of the stuff, and questioning. So I mean, like he's coaching his tail off right now. And it look, say what they want, been around the guy, covered him for a year, talked to him, uh, used to talk to him some. He's a really good coach. Uh, take out all the other stuff. Like on like in terms of like what you're doing for 40 minutes in a game, he's a really good coach. And so, you know, you put him in a situation where, look, the only difference between him and Arkansas um, in Tampa is he has to wear those purple jerseys as opposed to the white ones. That's it, because it's a neutral side game. So you lose any uh, caked-in, you know, built-in advantage that you have. So, I mean, like, I, I just don't think – I don't know who it's going to be. Could Auburn? You know, Auburn's kind of trendy. You know, Auburn's one of those teams. I mean, A&M could come out and play some defense and, and give, them a, give them a scare. Oh, man, if A&M uh, beats plus, Auburn, that'd be incredible. <laughs> and plus, hey, look, A&M's playing for something. Auburn's yeah, playing are. for what, seed? Mm-hmm. Auburn's playing for seed. A&M – Plus, like, look, it's one thing that I always talk about in these settings. Like, having the buzz matters, but getting, you know, getting punched in the mouth a day earlier, that can be an advantage as well. Like, you get the extra days of rest because of your work, your body of work over an 18-game regular uh, SEC season, but that that team that you're playing, that team that you're playing. Look, I don't think AM's that great, but I also think that there's something to be said for, you know, should South Carolina win uh, tonight, um, LSU winning, you know, AM winning, uh, Bama winning. There's something to be said for those teams getting that one game under their belt, and therefore they're playing a lot looser because they had their first game. You know, these four teams, Arkansas, Tennessee, Auburn, and Kentucky. They haven't had it. They haven't had that first game yet. They're not used to this atmosphere. That can either that can be great because you have the extra days of rest. That can also serve to your detriment because that other team is playing for you know a whole heck of a lot more than you. I don't think Tennessee falls with the loss. I think they can improve with the win. Mm-hmm. But that thirst, that hunger isn't quite there as a team 
like South Carolina, who, you know, could end up being having one of these sort of crazy runs to the championship game, um, you know, and, and could, it could, you know, maybe springboard their way into a tournament they weren't expected to be in. You never know. And so that's why I just think that there's there's something to be said for that. And it's why I think that one, one of these top four seats will disappoint us and not be playing Saturday. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I, I just – because I think we all want to see Auburn, Arkansas, Kentucky, Tennessee. But I feel like somebody's going to spoil that for us, and then we're all going to be disappointed. We'll still watch, but we'll be a little bit disappointed. You make a good point because I'm looking back. Last year it was chalk. Like last year you had the semifinals be the one, four, and two, three. But other than that, I'm I'm back in 2016, and every other year aside from last year, obviously 2020 didn't happen because it got canceled. But you know, from 19, 18, 17, and we're, now I'm looking at 16, you had some sort of upset. Like you had either the one seed get losing the quarterfinals, or you had you know a couple of the the top four seeds go down in the quarters. So you've had a lot of years where I'm looking at the semis, and it's not been all chalk. Where you've had one of the four seeds uh, go down again, other than last year where you had all chalk in the uh, in there heck look at i mean look at even back in 2015 you had one advance you had two and three advance but then you had number 13 auburn go on a random run and make a, you know, get to the the semifinals against kentucky that year that, that was a kentucky team that finished the regular season undefeated i think um yeah they finished that was the year they finished undefeated in the regular season but like i'm gonna go back to 2014 and if it's not chalk then Okay, that was so. You have 2014. <laughs> that's funny. 2014 and last year are the only years in the last basically almost decade. Um, you know, I guess since the expansion for the most part, where you've had all chalk in the you know going to the semis. That, that year you had Florida number one, Tennessee number four, Kentucky number two, and Georgia number three, which that is weird to think about. Um, but you're right. Like it actually doesn't happen that often, and I, I kind of thought there would be a little more frequent than that, but only two times in the last. I guess eight years or so, if I did the math right on that. And of course, obviously, again, one of those years there wasn't a tournament, but that's a really good point. And I think the most likely one would be, you know, an LSU beating an Arkansas. But I wouldn't, I mean, I I don't, I genuinely, I'm not just saying this because I'm a Tennessee fan. I genuinely don't think Mississippi State or South Carolina is going to beat Tennessee. Like, I just, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think either of those two teams match up particularly great against Tennessee right now. I, I was worried, I remember being worried about the Mississippi State game when it happened because that was the game after Tennessee lost Camaw and uh, you knew he's going to be out for the, you know, likely for the season and state has some pretty good post players, but that was what Tennessee did really well against those post players. Like, you know, when they didn't have Tennessee's didn't have their post players playing at a really good clip in that game, you know, that was, I'll go back to the box score in that one, but I, I, to my knowledge, you know, I didn't have a whole lot of high expectations for Fulkerson or Roche or Huntley Hatfield or Adu in that game. And in that game, they didn't, again, they really didn't do a whole lot. You had Fulkerson play 22 minutes, four points, three boards. So not a whole lot, two fouls. Huntley Hatfield, four points, nothing else. Urosh, four points, four boards, four fouls. Uh, Adu played 12 minutes ahead, two points and four rebounds, which I mean, not bad in, in 12 minutes. But you know, again, like Tennessee's post didn't do a whole lot in that game. And they still won by nine and they won going away. It goes tied at halftime or almost like Tennessee had a two point lead at halftime, excuse me. And they were able to, to, you know, pull ahead more in the second half. And that was a game where Josiah had 18, Kennedy had 18, Vescovy had 11, Zakai had 11. That was a game where you finished with only 10 turnovers in that game and had 14 assists. So, uh, and you're eight of 19 from three in that game, actually an eight of nine from the free throw line. So I, I genuinely don't think Tennessee is going to lose either of those two games, 
But the other games, I, I think you make a compelling point. I, if Alabama is hitting their threes, they're dangerous, and they're a team that can beat anyone if they're hitting their threes. Uh, but they they haven't been a team that's been shooting a lot of threes this year and haven't been a team that's been making a lot of threes this year compared to last year especially. Um, I still just think Kentucky wins that one. I, I think I think the the bottom two, the, the two and three seeds, actually have higher percentage chances of winning their games than I think the one and, and four do because Auburn's not been – They've not been playing their best ball lately. They're still a good team. Don't get me wrong. I, I still think they'll make it to the title game. Um, but I, you know, like you said, AM's playing for something. If they get if they beat Auburn, that I think gets them into the tournament. Like this is their teams like the third round, the it's Tennessee's Super Bowl a lot this year. For some reason, there are like three or four fan bases that did that this year. This legitimately is Texas AM's Super Bowl for this year, at least to this point. This is like this is the biggest game of their entire season right now, not just because it's the next game and because it's in the tournament in the SEC tournament, but because a win here for the Aggies that should punch their ticket to the NCAA tournament. Cause I get them to 22 and 11 on the year. And I don't think they've had a whole lot of other super high quality wins, but they've not, they, they, that would be obviously a, a statement win. that's a, a win over a top five team in the country. That's a win over the number one, the team that just won your league in the regular season. So you make a compelling point for there. I, I still would think Auburn wins, but, I think AM has a better chance of winning than either state or Carolina does against Tennessee or Vandy, which it won't be Vandy. Alabama does against Kentucky. But then LSU Arkansas is almost a toss up to me at this point. You've kind of convinced me with, with Pinson being healthy. Um, LSU's playing better, but again, what LSU shows up again, what, with the officiating, what, what do we get in that game for that? Um, I don't know. It's, it's interesting, Gene. I am very excited for when you and I get to talk next week hopefully early next week. I think we're, we're hopefully planning to do it early next week and talk about the actual NCAA tournament and where Tennessee is seated, who they, you know, their bracket and everything and looking at that because, oh, that's going to be exciting. I, I think this year, as long as they get a, a somewhat favorable bracket, Tennessee, again, we talked about it, has a chance to be, if, if they're on and they're, you know, as you said, finding other ways to score than just threes, they are final four good. I don't, ex- I'm not expecting a final four run. Don't get me wrong. I'm not even expecting really an elite eight run. But this team's good enough, regardless, to get to a C sixteen. They're they're good enough to win two games in the in the NCAA tournament. You know, I, I genuinely genuinely think they are. But can they go there and win three? Can they go there and win four? I don't know. I don't trust them to win three games in the SEC tournament. That's different. I don't think Tennessee's going to face. A, they're not going to face the caliber of a Kentucky in the you know in their second game in the NCAA tournament. Probably not in the third game either. So I don't think you have to worry about that as much um, in this circumstance. But I'm excited, Gene. Like I, I genuinely am excited for March. Like I, I'm not expecting to have you know. I'm not getting my hopes up too high, but I, I'm just I'm really, I'm very in, like anticipating what this team can do and, and trying to see you know, can this finally be the team that really kind of knocks off the, the regular season Rick moniker for Rick Barnes because he, you know, and we talked about it before in this podcast he he has earned that like that that's a, a I think a fair ish, you know, title to give him because of some of the ways that his teams have not performed in the NCAA tournament. We've also have that you and I both have gone deeper and looked at some of those runs that ended, you know, a little short and looked at some of the opponents they played. And you're like, okay, I kind of understand that. You know, you look at the Purdue team, Tennessee lost to a couple years ago. You look at some of the teams that, that his Texas teams lost to that were supposed to go, you know, deeper in the tournament. So, you know, we don't, we're, we try not to, we try not to be like, I, I personally try not to be like too super Homer and on different things, but I also try not to like be a, a you know, a quote unquote negative all and stuff either. I had to give a fair and balanced approach to it. And I think a fair and balanced approach to this year's team is they're more than capable of getting to the elite eight and giving that, that team a run 
for their money, but they're also more than capable of losing the first weekend. So it's really going to depend on what that matchup looks like. And that's why I'm, I'm very excited for next week when we get to talk about that. Yeah. And, you know, I hate that college basketball has just become a sport where we only judge what you do from March 1st until the end of your season. Mm-hmm. Um, because I just, I don't feel like it's always been that way. I think because of, you know, because of television networks and, and the such and all that, it, it's like sports has now been, sports is basically now March Madness. Um, college football is college football playoff. Um, NBA is YouTube, you know, highlights, you know, Twitter, Instagram, engagement, superstars. NFL is, it's obviously, it's probably, it's the best, it's the best run brand. Um, even though they, God, they missed up, but they're just too big to fail. So, like, I hate that that's what it's become, but that's, you know, that's essentially in college basketball what it is. How good are you in March? Um, are you the 20, 28 and five? I think it's what Tennessee was that year. They made the, uh, in 2019 going into the tournament or 29 and five because they won, what, two games and then got beaten. I think they were 31 and six. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so which team are you? You know, like, are, so you're telling me that, you know, excuse me, you're telling me that Tennessee, like, was, you know, struggled to play. Like, I mean, they didn't, if they're not an 18 and 0 type of conference team, then you can't be surprised. Like, Tennessee lost, what, three games in conference play that year, which means that they would lose, you know, they could potentially lose a game to Purdue in stupid fashion. Like, it's a, it's a horrible measurement that we always try to judge people just off of. Like that moment, that one game, Rick Barnes is a you know it's a stinky coach because some kid you know because a kid kicks you know kicks his foot out and Lamonte Turner fouls him, um, or because of the year before the sister Jean game, you know like come on like it, it's just I just feel like I mean for me I just feel like we should be better because I just hate the fact that we're doing it that we that we reduce a whole season to three games or to six games or whatever, whatever happens from March 1st. Like, you know, I, you know, as you mentioned, I covered UTC who was one and one a with Furman all year long. And, you know, if UTC, if, a, if that ball is two inches shorter or if it's off to the right, then UTC is now 26 and eight and they're going to the NIT, but because it went in now this Furman team who's really good, doesn't make the tournament at all. And UTC is going dance, and I hate that we've willed it down to just the small things. But as far as like Barnes is concerned, this is his chance. This is yet another opportunity. You're guaranteed to be in the tournament. You've got a team that can win games in the tournament. You you've built a roster that has just progressively gotten better throughout the course of the season, even as adversity has hit so many times with COVID before the uh, the Bama game, the yep. uh, Olivier injury. You know, uh, the Josiah concussion, like all the different things that have kind of hit you along the way, you've you've been able to make it through each and every one of those things. You've made it to where you're now, you know, you're now in a good position to be at your best going into the NCAA tournament. This is, I mean, that's why sometimes the urgency isn't there for this tournament, for the SEC tournament, because your whole focus is, can we figure out how to win six games over the next three weeks? Mm Mm-hmm. And so that can lead to some people who, I mean, 
you're playing a team that's maybe playing with this, you know, with this with this hair on fire. Whereas you may not be because you've done the work for you know for thirty something games, and that could cost you. But I do think this is a team that can win. You know, when you, you know, like when you look at what they've got, we talked about what they've got. They have a roster that's that's capable of winning. Now, like again, I question their I question their ability to score outside of hitting threes, but they put themselves in a position with the roster they've had. Like they twenty over twenty times this year. They figured out how to win games, so they're a good team. Whole heck of a lot more times they figured out how to lose games. Yep. And so, like for me, I'm watching a team that is capable of winning games when it you know when it counts per se. Um, so I think you know I'm not like as excited as you because I'm not just approaching this from a more journalistic standpoint. I'm just wanting to watch them and see what they do. But I, I'm intrigued to see what they do over the next three weeks and. You know, I'm really excited to sit there and talk about, you know, Monday. I think we decided to do the podcast. I've got some – we would have done it Sunday, but I've got some NCAA stuff to do with UTC. Just so the uh, every, all the listeners know, we would love to do, like, an instant reaction thing. But I've got some other instant reactions I've got to deal with as well. Um, but, yeah, sitting down Monday, we would have had 24 hours to kind of like, analyze all this stuff and come up with some, you know, some opinions as to the draw, what's the biggest, you know, where are the issues at. Um, so I'm excited to sit there and look at it myself and see exactly what they could do because this is a team that can win. And if they have the proper draw, they're going to win. And as simple as that to me. I would agree with you. And yeah, I, I, I'm going to try to do some stuff for the SEC tournament, but I'm going to be out of town uh, this weekend too. So I'll be watching the games, but I don't know that I'll have all my entire setup like I usually do for uh, for videos and stuff. So I'll, I'll try to do some stuff, guys. There's a heads up for listening to the podcast or watching YouTube. I'll try to do some things for the sec tournament but i can't guarantee it'll happen we'll see but yeah I, I i personally might try to do some live reaction also on sunday but that might be like a, a twitter space or something like that where it's kind of an audio format rather than video so we'll, we'll see about that but uh gene i think that'll be a good place to, to end this podcast here i i again am very excited i think this has been as we talked about at the beginning of the show a, a season a regular season that <clears throat> not you know not just met my expectations but exceeded them and I think this team, like you just said, it is in a good spot. And I think they are with the right draw and, and not only just in a good spot, but in a spot to do some things that Tennessee doesn't normally do in postseason play and, and maybe make a run that they haven't done, but maybe one time ever and maybe even further. We'll see. Uh, I'm not, again, not trying to get my hopes up too high, but I, I think this team's a good team. And I think, you know, we've seen some things from this team that make you also, you know, excited for next year's team and, and what they can be next year too. So, Again, thank you all for tuning in. And as we're going, you know, about to close out here, it looks like about to be final that Tom Crean is not going to be back at, at Georgia. So I can't say I'm shocked there. Uh, there's a lot of talk about it. But it looks like the two have uh, agreed to part ways. So just stunned. But anyway, this has been Vol Basketball Fever. Before we finish, before yeah. we finish, what would have happened if Tom Crean had said, no, I'm not leaving? <laughs> <laughs> like, I love how they put agreed to part ways. They basically said, look, we're done with you. And he was like, okay, just let me get my money. Right. And so therefore they technically agreed to part ways. But there was no way they're about to bring this guy back after 6 to 26. No. I just love this. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. As we close this thing down, it's just one of those things I just kind of laugh at because it's kind of ridiculous to say, man, yeah, we're, we're, we're going to part ways with you. That's if he had a choice in the matter. Yeah, you're like, what, what if he held him hostage? What if he's like, I'm not leaving. You get, you gotta, no, you gotta fire leaving. me. Yeah, yeah. Wait, just wait. I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you five wins. I'll give you five and twenty-seven next year. <laughs> Test me. Give me a chance. 
Give me a chance. I'll go 428 and it'll be my business. All right, I've done enough. <laughs> uh, well, on that note, uh, we'll go ahead and end the podcast here. Again, thank you all for tuning in. Uh, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We would definitely appreciate that. We'll read them off at the top of the show as well. Again, subscribe to the YouTube channel, subscribe to the podcast. We, we really appreciate all of you who helped make this year fantastic. I'm looking forward to some postseason talker, our first postseason talk as the postseason era of Vol Basketball Fever. Very much looking forward to it. But I'm Nathaniel signing off for Gene. This has been another episode of the Vol Basketball Fever podcast. Thank you for listening to the Vol Basketball Fever podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the show so you never miss a new episode. Subscribe to our YouTube channel for more video content and follow us on Twitter and Facebook as well. Thank you, all fans.